What a great truth. He loves us. Oh, how he loves us. Thank you for leading us in worship. We're going to wrap up our series entitled Pause. We've been doing a series on temptations because we all face temptations all the time. We face temptations at school. We face temptations at work. We face temptations at home. We all face temptations all the time. And in the moment of our temptations, it seems so small. It seems so minuscule. It seems so benign. It's like no one's looking. I mean, no one's going to ever know. I mean, everybody's doing it. In the moment of our temptation, it looks so small, so insignificant. Everybody's doing it. It's not a big deal. I mean, it's just a little white lie. You know, no one's ever going to know. You know, I'm just, 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 just inflating a little bit or just decreasing a little bit of my numbers on my taxes. I mean, it's not that big of a deal. You know, I, 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 no one's ever going to know. I mean, it's just a little bit of a click on the computer. I mean, it's just a little piece of food. It's not a big deal. See, in the moment of temptation, it seems so small. It seems so insignificant. It seems just like it's just me and nobody else will know. But when we magnify that moment of temptation, we see that there's more that meets the eye. That there's no such thing as a secret sin. That there's always a ripple effect on falling to temptations. That there's always more at stake when we fall to temptation. See, when we fall to temptations, there's a ripple effect on our family. There's a ripple effect on our future. And there's a ripple effect on our faith. That our faith suffers every time we fall to temptation. So that's why we've been talking about temptations over the last few weeks. That's why we've been talking about some of the challenges that we all face in, the, in a day-to-day life. And the thing that we've been working on, the skill that we've been trying to develop, this habit that we've been trying to create when we face the temptations in all of our lives is summarized in the word, pause. Now, what if we could pause in the moment of our temptations and consider, what's at stake? Is it really worth my family? Is it really worth my future? Is it really worth my faith? And what if we could pause in the moment of our temptations and ask God in? Invite God into the temptations that we face. Say, God, I'm really having a hard time here. I've got a legitimate need. I'm trying to meet it in an illegitimate way. Would you please help me? Would you please come and minister? Would you give me strength? Would you help me in this moment of my temptation and meet? See, that's what we've been trying to do. That's what we've been trying to create this habit, this skill, this way of resisting temptation. And some of you have mentioned to me that this series has been helpful, that you've experienced some traction at home, or you've experienced some traction in your relationships to resist the temptations that you face financially, or that you face spiritually, or that you face in your relationships. I'm so glad that we're all as a community experiencing this traction as we try to resist temptations together. But today, we're going to wrap up our series. Today, we're going to once again look at the teachings of Jesus and the life of Jesus and see how he resisted temptation so that we can resist the temptations that we face. So if you have your Bibles, I'd love for you to turn to Matthew chapter 4. In Matthew chapter 4, page 957 in your pew Bibles, we're going to return to the story of the temptations that Jesus faced. And just to remind you of the context, Jesus was already baptized. He already heard that word, he loves us. He already heard, this is my son whom I love, in him I'm well pleased. He's already baptized. And then he already experienced the first two temptations. You know, the the first temptation was for food. You know, to turn bread or to turn stones into bread. And we learn that there's more to life than bread and water. That every time we're tempted, we're, we're asked the question, can I trust God to meet my physical needs? That was the temptation number one. Temptation number two, Jesus was tempted to jump off the highest point of the temple 
to wow the crowd, to get people to follow him. It was a relational temptation. And, and we learned a little bit more about trusting God and testing God. And the question that we answered is, can we surrender our lives to God and do his will, not our own? And in Matthew chapter 4, verse 8, we're going to read the final temptation that Jesus faced as he's out in the desert. In chapter 4, verse 8, we read this again. The devil took him, Jesus, to a very high mountain and showed him the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. The devil took Jesus to a very high mountain. We don't, we don't know exactly how he got there. Maybe he walked there. Maybe it was some metaphysical experience. But we don't know. But all we know is that Jesus is on this, this high mountain. And the devil showed him all the splendor of creation, all the splendor of all the kingdoms of the world. He showed them the beauty of the world. And then in verse 9, the devil tempts Jesus by saying, All this... I will give you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. All this I will give you. All the kingdoms of the world, all the beauty of creation, all this I will give you. All the power to rule the world, I will give you. All the authority. See, now most of us know that God so loved the world that he sent his son into the world to save us. That God loves the world. And that one of the reasons that Jesus came into the world was to rule over the world. One of the reasons why Jesus, why God sent his son into the world was so that Jesus could rescue the world and rule over the world. That's why Jesus said when he first came into his disciples, he said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. Turn because God's kingdom is about to become. About to happen. God's rule, God's reign is about to happen. The time has come for God to rule the earth. See, see, in the beginning, God created Adam and Eve to rule. That's the creation mandate, to rule and subdue the earth. God commands his first people to rule, to learn, to discover God's creation, to, to take the natural resources and to create homes and businesses and, and computer to, to take God's beauty and make it better, to rule and subdue the earth. That's God's command. But our first parents, Adam and Eve, they fell to the temptations of Satan. They took the forbidden fruit. They disobeyed their heavenly father and they fell. And we've experienced the ripple effect of their falling to temptation. We've been separated from God. And they not only were separated, but they lost their authority to rule the earth. Satan took over. Satan had authority. Satan had authority at that moment. He began to rule the earth. And that's why God sent Jesus to take back what Satan took away, the authority, the power to rule all the splendor and all the glory of the world. That's why when Jesus came to the end of his time on earth, after he died and after he rose again, he gave his disciples the Great Commission. Remember what he said? All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. See, Satan knew that Jesus came to take that authority back. Satan knew that Jesus came to rule and reign, to bring God's kingdom to earth. So Satan tempts Jesus by saying, I'll give it to you, Satan. I'll give it to you, Jesus. I'll give you all the kingdoms in the world and all the splendor if you'll just bow down and worship me. 
Now, I know this temptation seems a little bit strange. I mean, to see Jesus bowing down and worshiping Satan. I mean, immediately I'm like, I mean, that's not going to happen. I mean, he's Jesus, you know. He's not going to bow down and worship Satan. But this is a very real temptation. This is a very real temptation that Jesus experienced because Jesus came to rule the earth. He came to have all authority over the earth. And now Satan, the ruler of the earth, says, you can have it. I'll give it to you, Jesus. I'll give you all the splendors. I'll give you all the authority. I'll give you everything if you'll just bow down and worship me. And, it, and I'm sure Satan said, if it's only for a moment, just for a second, just for a few moments, just bow down and worship me. No one's going to know. I mean, we're on top of a high mountain. It's just me and you. I mean, no one's going to find out. It's not a big deal. It's so small. It's just, just for a moment, Jesus, bow down and worship me. Surrender, submit your authority to my authority just for a moment. Bow down. And we're see, Satan knew that Jesus came to rule the earth. So Satan tempts Jesus by saying, you can have it all and you can have it now. You can have all the glory, all the splendor of the world, and you can have it now. There's no need for suffering, Jesus. There's no need to go to the cross, Jesus. There's no need for the crown of thorns. I'll give you the crown. You you, you can have it now, Jesus. There's no need to be abandoned by your friends. There's no need to be betrayed by a kiss. There's no need to be flogged. You don't have to do any of that, Jesus. Just, Just bow, if only for a moment, bow down and worship me, and I'll give it to you all, and I'll give it to you now. See, Jesus was tempted to take a shortcut. Jesus was tempted to take a shortcut, to pursue the right thing the wrong way. Because it was God's will for him to rule and bring the authority to to rule over the earth and all of creation. But the shortcut was to avoid the suffering of the cross. To avoid the pain, to avoid the flogging, to avoid the abandonment of his friends. He was tempted to accomplish God's will another way. To take a shortcut. To get the mission of God accomplished a different way. He was tempted by the statement, the ends justify the means. That if I just get this rulership, then it doesn't really matter how I get there. Jesus was tempted to take a shortcut. And we're all tempted to take shortcuts, aren't we? In every area of life, we're tempted to take shortcuts. I remember as, as a high school student, my goal was to, is to get good grades so I can go to college and I can get a good job. But the shortcut was to cheat, was to cheat on my exams in order to get good grades, in order to get to college, in order to get a good job and make some money. See, we're all tempted to take shortcuts. As a high school student, I was tempted to cheat in order to get a job. But my goal was fine, but my, my way was wrong. It's doing the right thing the wrong way. It's a shortcut. We're often tempted. I remember I was tempted as a single person. I was tempted to have sex before marriage. Now, my goal was relational intimacy. My my goal was unity with another human being. But my way was sex before marriage. It was the wrong way. It was the right thing. It was the wrong way. It was a shortcut. I didn't want to experience the, the truth that delayed gratification builds character. I didn't want to live by the truth that one man, one woman for life, that the best sex is in a, in, in a marriage relationship. This is a shortcut that we're all tempted to take as parents. We're tempted to take a shortcut. We're tempted to give our children whatever they think they need, whatever they want, aren't we? I mean, it's a lot easier just, you know, when our kids say, hey, I want this or I want that, I want this or I need this. We say, oh yeah, go get it. 
You know, it's much easier just to say, yeah, go ahead, you can have it. It's much more difficult to teach our children patience and contentment and work ethic. See, the temptation as parents is just, you know, to live a child-centric life. Just to give them whatever they think that they need or what they really want. And that helped them discern a need from a want and grow in character. Because it takes time, it takes energy. And on the flip side, as parents, sometimes as parents, when our children ask why, why did you say no? We're tempted to say, you know, it's because I said so. Right, parents? Isn't that what we say sometimes? You know, we live by the golden rule. He who has the gold rules. You know, and this is the way that it's going to be. And we're tempted just to say, hey, kids, this is what we don't. We don't listen with empathy. And we don't train our children up because it's just easier. It's just quicker. Hey, this is the way that it is. This is what we're going to do. And, 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 and sometimes we miss the opportunity to train. We're tempted to take a shortcut in raising our children. We're tempted uh, in our workplaces. We're tempted at home. We're tempted in our relationships. We're tempted all the times to take shortcuts. We're tempted at work, aren't you? To inflate the numbers. To say I was really, really good in this way and, and that's what I'm going to promote or I was even a little bit better or to, to talk down about somebody else in order to look good. Or, or to take something, a project that your boss tells you to do that you know might be a little bit unethical. It may not be right, but it may get you that promotion. It may get you that. And you just say, yes, I'll do it just for this little while. And then I'll go back to living Christian virtues in the workplace. We're tempted all the time. A friend of mine was, was, was tempted to take a shortcut in his career. Uh, he, it wasn't a temptation to do something wrong. He simply was offered a promotion at his work. He, was, he, he works as a... As a as a professional in a great field, and he was tempted to, or he was offered a job in a different location, getting much higher wage, moving his family across the country, and yet he, you know, in his career path, it was like, bang, this is his dream job. I mean, he would get it right away. He wouldn't have to go through a number of different routes to get there. He would just have it all and have it now. But then as he was discerning about his decision, he realized that it would cost him so much time away from his family. And as he was processing what to do, he realized that he was going to compromise his values. And he would be spending so much time at work that he wouldn't spend as much time at home. And he said, no, I'm going to pass on this opportunity because I know that I only have small kids for a limited amount of time. I'm not going to take a shortcut. I'm not going to jump to my dream job. I'm going to pause. And I'm going to live out my values for my children. And it wasn't a, a sin that my friend was taking. It was just a shortcut. It, it wasn't the wrong way. It was just the wrong time. See, that's the shortcut. The shortcut is to do the right thing the wrong way or the wrong time. It's getting ahead professionally much faster than it is necessary. And my friend discerned that it's not worth it. I value time with my family more than progressing at my work. See, we're all tempted at home. We're all tempted at school. We're all tempted at, at, at work. We're tempted all the time to take shortcuts, to compromise our values, to cut corners, to get the deal done, to pass the exam, to get ahead, to pursue the right thing the wrong way and at the wrong time. And Jesus was tempted. He was tempted, if only for a moment, to take a shortcut, to pursue the right thing, the wrong way. He was tempted to avoid the pain and suffering of the cross and still do God's will, rule and reign over the earth. And Jesus responds in this way 
Jesus said to Satan, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Jesus responds, Get away from me, Satan, for God's already addressed this issue. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Don't you just love how Jesus responds to temptation? I just love how Jesus responds to temptation. He doesn't say, nah, you know, I'm not interested, Satan. He doesn't get all uptight. He doesn't get his undies in a bundle. He doesn't get all going all worried. You know, he just responds with God's word. He says, it is written. God has already spoken to this issue. And then he does what he did the last two times. He reaches back into this Old Testament principle and he applies it to his life. He says, God already said something about this in the Bible. And this I can apply to my life and respond to the temptation that I face. See, that's why we study God's word. That's why we read God's word in a worship service. That's why we have community groups where we dig deeper into God's word. That's why we study the Bible daily through devotions so that we can understand God's word and apply it to our lives. So Jesus, in the face of temptation, reaches back to this old, old story of the Exodus, of God's people coming out of Egypt and God providing for their needs as they wander through the desert. And Jesus specifically goes back to Deuteronomy. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Deuteronomy. Because in the book of Deuteronomy, it's Moses' speech just prior to God's people entering into the promised land. And Moses tells his people, hey, before you enter into the promised land flowing with milk and honey, before you go into cities and places that, that you haven't built, I want you to remember some things. I want you to keep you free. I just set you free from Egyptian rule, and now I want to keep you free. So on page 178 in your pew Bible, Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, we see how Jesus connects this Old Testament truth to his life. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 10, we hear the context for Jesus' words to Satan. Verse 10 says this, When the Lord your God brings you into the land, he swore to your fathers, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, to give you a land with large flourishing cities you did not build, houses filled with all kinds of good things you did not provide, Wells you did not dig, and vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. And when you eat and are satisfied, Moses says, you're about to go into the promised land flowing with milk and honey. You're, you're about to go into the promised land where there's houses, there are vineyards, that you'll have everything you need. And you know what? You didn't do anything to deserve it. You didn't even create it. I'm giving it to you, and you're going to be tempted. And so what I want you to do in verse 12, he says this, I want you to be careful that you do not forget the Lord who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. He says, I want you to remember the Lord. I want you to never forget who brought you out of the land of slavery and who brought you here. Because pretty soon, you're going to have more than you need. Pretty soon you're going to be in the land flowing with milk and honey. Pretty soon you're going to be in homes you didn't build. You're going to have food you did not create. You're going to have so much stuff. And when you have it all, when you get it all, you're going to be tempted to forget God. When you have your home, when you have your job, when you have all this stuff, when you have more than you need, you're going to be tempted to think that you did it, that you created it, that it's all about you. And you're going to be tempted to forget your faith. 
You're going to be tempted to forget the one that brought you out of slavery. And, 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 God, and Moses says to his people, don't forget the Lord. Remember the one who brought you. Remember where you came from. And then Moses gets very specific as he prepares God's people as they enter into the land of plenty, the land flowing with milk and honey. Moses says this, verse 13. Fear the Lord your God and serve him only and take your oaths in his name. Fear the Lord your God. And serve him only. Love the Lord your God. And obey him only. Worship the Lord your God. And serve him only. And Jesus reaches back into the context of this Old Testament story. And he takes that truth in the face of his temptation. And he says to Satan, away from me, Satan. For it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only worship God, love God, live out the great commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength. Delight in God as your greatest treasure and highest pleasure. Love God, live for God, sing to God, delight in God. Worship the Lord your God. I'm reminded of the Westminster Confession. When the, when the question is asked, what is the chief end of man? Why are we here? What's the point of life? And, and the answer that they give is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. To worship the Lord, to glorify God, to delight in God and enjoy him forever. See, they answer the question, why are we here? It's to worship. That we were created to worship. That we were made to worship God. As a response for all that God has done for us. Bring us out of Egypt rescuing us from our sin, providing for our needs as a response to all that God is, his greatness, his glory, his power, as a response to who God is and how he's provided, we worship him, we love him, we delight in him. See, resisting temptation is not simply a matter of the will, it's a matter of worship. Resisting temptation is not simply a matter of the will, it's a matter of of worship. It's a matter of delighting in God instead of something else. It's a matter of delighting in the creator over the creation. See, when we fall to temptation, we say to God, you are less impressive than your creation. I'd rather do this thing my way than follow you. See, when we fall to temptation, we compromise and take temporary pleasures instead of eternal pleasures. We delight in the temporary rather than the eternal. We, we delight in the creation over the creator. We take that which was least important and, su- and a substitute for that which is most important. And the most important thing that we are called to do is to love God with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength, to worship God, the Lord your God, as our greatest treasure and highest pleasure. So Jesus responds to this final temptation by declaring to Satan, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Serve him. Do his will his way. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Delight in him and do his will his way. So go to work, go to school, 
Get an education. Earn some money. Rule and subdue the earth. Do what I created you to do, but don't take a shortcut. Don't lie. Don't steal. Don't cheat. Don't inflate the numbers. Don't try to get ahead by cutting corners. Don't take a shortcut. Don't compromise your values in order to get ahead. Don't let this system trick you into thinking that the way to get ahead is to cut the deal, is to cheat on your exams. This is somehow a lie in order to get ahead. Don't think that the only way to get, finan- get ahead financially is to cut corners in giving generously. Don't do God's will apart from God's way. Worship the Lord and serve his only. Do God's will God's way. Because you'll never do God's will apart from God's way. You'll never accomplish God's purposes on earth apart from doing it God's way. You'll never accomplish God's will for your life by abandoning God's principles for living. Worship the Lord and serve him only. Do God's will God's way. And when we pause and when we reflect upon the temptation that we see Jesus experiencing, he aligned himself in each of the three temptations to God's will, to God's word, to God's way. He paused in the midst of his temptation, and he connected his life to God's will, and he surrendered his will to God's will, and he did God's will, God's way. That's how Jesus resisted temptation. He simply aligned his life with God's will, and he did God's will God's way. See, that's how Jesus resisted temptation. He aligned himself with God's will, and he did it God's way. It was a couple of months ago, I was on uh, vacation in uh, California. We were down by the ocean over spring break. And uh, one of the things that I was asked to do by a friend, that I, even if you would like to do it sometime, is when you're down by the ocean, it's, it's fascinating what happens. Is if, you're, if you're walking the, uh, down by the beach, you can walk in a certain direction, in one direction, and you cannot even hear the wind blowing in your ears. You just keep walking along the beach. You can't hear anything. But if you turn the opposite direction, you walk along the beach, along the ocean, all of a sudden you can hear the wind blowing in your ears. And I did this a couple of months ago. I said, wow, that's really cool. This direction, can't hear a thing. This direction, I can hear the wind blowing in my ears. And, and the same is true in our Christian faith, that when we're walking against God's will, we can't really hear him speaking to us. Just nothing going on. But all of a sudden, when we're facing, we're doing God's will, all of a sudden, we can hear him speaking to us. The wind is blowing in our ears, and we can resist the temptations that we face, and we can do his bidding because he's speaking to us to do it his way. Going against his will, we're not going to hear anything. Sometimes people talk to me, and they say, hey, I never hear from God. For whatever reason in my prayer times, I never hear from God. Well, maybe it's because you're not submitting yourself to his will. But when we turn and we walk in the direction that he's designed us to walk, all of a sudden, when we align ourselves to God's word, we're more apt to hear from him and apply it to our lives. So that when the temptations come, we can reach back to God's truth and apply it to our lives and walk in his will, his way. See, Jesus knew God's will and God's way. For Jesus, God's will was, I'm gonna, you're going to rule over the earth in all the splendor. But God's way 
was through suffering, was through pain, was through the cross. Jesus knew God's will and God's way. And he resisted the temptation to take a shortcut. He resisted the temptation to do God's will an easier way. He endured the cross. He went through the suffering. He was abandoned by his friends. He didn't take a shortcut. He did God's will, God's way. And that is the invitation that God has for us, for each one of us to align ourselves with God's will and to do it his way, not to take a shortcut, not to cheat, not to steal, not to lie, not to do the things that we know are wrong, but to do the things that are right. Because that's the right thing to do. It's always the right thing to do, to do the right thing. See, when we pause in the moment of our temptations, we can align ourselves with God's will and hear from him to do it God's way. See, Jesus, in the midst of his temptations, he paused and he realized how God has spoken in this moment and he overcame the temptations that he faced. And so can we, do you know that Jesus faced, he was tempted just as we are in every way? That Jesus experienced the full weight of temptations. In the, in the book of Hebrews, it says that, that Jesus was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. He was tempted in every way that we are, yet was without sin. And he felt the full weight of temptation. Like when we're tempted, we're tempted. We kind of just do it. You know, we'll click the computer or we'll do the deal or we'll lie or we'll cheat or we'll do whatever. But Jesus felt the full weight of temptation, the, the extreme. And he was without sin. He never sinned. He never cut a corner. He never did God's will another way. He always resisted temptation. Aren't you proud to follow such a leader? Aren't you proud to follow such a man who, who never cut corners, who lived a life of integrity, who lived a life of character? Aren't you glad that Jesus resisted the temptations that he faced, that he didn't cut the corners, that he went through the cross, that he suffered and died for us? See, later this morning, we're going to take communion and we're going to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And what I want us to focus in on is not only how he paid our price, how he took our place, but that he didn't cut the corners. He went through the suffering. He went through the beatings. He went through the floggings for us. He endured the cross for us. He took our penalty. We deserve to die on the cross, but he took our place. He overcame the temptations to cut corners in order to die in our place. But he didn't just do that. He also beat the devil. He beat the devil. Because at that day that he died and he rose again, he says, all authority has been given to me. Because I didn't cut corners, because I did God's will, God's way, all authority has been given to me. See, we have authority as followers of Jesus to do God's will, God's way because of the power of the cross, because of what Jesus did for us because he didn't cut corners, because he didn't go around the suffering. We have the power to overcome the temptations that we face. So that's what we celebrate at communion. And that's what we want to focus in on during the last moments of our worship service. We want to thank God for resisting the temptations to cut corners and how he overcame the power of sin, because we can't because of the cross, 
because of what Jesus did for us, we can overcome our temptations at work. We can overcome our temptations at school. We can go over our temptations at home as parents or as children because of the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. I'm going to ask the band to come up and uh, we're going to hear a song called Remember. It's, it's a call to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf. And during this time, I'd just like you to reflect upon the cross and how Jesus was tempted to cut a corner and he didn't. And he didn't do it because of you. That, that, that he endured the cross and the suffering and the shame so that you could have a relationship with God through Christ. And I want you to remember, I want you to reflect upon the power that we have in Christ and thank him. Because of him overcoming the temptations of the devil, we can. That we have the power in Christ to overcome every and any temptation that we face. So this morning, this is a time for us to reflect and to remember the sacrifice that Jesus made on our behalf and to tap into that power available only to us that have trusted Christ personally as our Lord and Savior. So would you pray with me and then we'll listen to this song. God, we just are so thankful for the truth found in your word. Or thank you for the clarity in your word and the example of Jesus Christ and how he overcame the temptations that he faced. And not only is he an example, he also gives us the power to overcome the temptations that we face. And God, I just ask that as we gather together and we reflect upon all that you've done in our lives, just ask that you'd speak to us, that you'd minister to us, and that maybe there's some temptation that we need to surrender to you. Or maybe there's some issue that we need you to minister to us. Just ask that you would do that now. In Jesus' name. Amen. The ushers are going to come down and receive the offering. And then we're going to receive communion together. Our worship leads to communion. 
Remember 